0: скажи мне, американец, в чем сила?
1: А вы что, собираетесь на ней жениться?
0: Да. Человек> <свистый> человек> Ух, красота-то какая, лепота. Таможня дает добро. <свистый> <свистый> я вообще не называй меня, пожалуйста, верой. Кто я? Don't touch me, I can't live without him!
1: My name's Ali, and this is the Rusfiles Unite podcast, where we watch Russian films and films with a Russian connection. As always, I am joined by a guest, and once more, I am joined by Lynn. Hello. Hi.
2: Hi. Sorry, talking over you there at the end. That is quite uh, right. Can I say how nice it is to see you in person after very many months of not being able to see you in person?
1: It is very pleasant to see you too, Lynn. Yes, yes, it's a... Yeah, it feels so long.
2: It does feel so long. So uh, yeah, after all the responsible social distancing.
1: Yeah, we're um, now throwing caution to the wind.
2: Yeah, <laughs> by this huge gathering of two, two. people.
1: <laughs> yeah. Editorial notes. Lynn and I recorded this episode back in August when UK coronavirus case numbers were considerably lower and when social distancing measures had been relaxed as well thought it was important to mention that
2: so yes anyway what are we here to watch on this
1: auspicious 50th episode, 50th episode. uh we Woo! are yes uh, before before we say what we're going to watch uh for new folks i i feel like they should find out who you are so lynn tell us a little bit about yourself uh,
2: i'm lynn hello and i sometimes come over and watch russian films with ali i have known ali for quite a
1: long time Oh, like over half our lives at this yeah, point.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, maybe two thirds. Oh anyway, it's been goodness. a while. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I do that. Uh, I also co host Gentlemen Don't Get Caught with Ali, get a plug in there, a podcast that's broadly about the works of REM, the band.
1: Yes. Yes. I've, people know what R.E.M. is, right? I think so. I, I think they're they're pretty famous. Yeah, unless we're getting like a lot of very young people that are like don't, don't remember. Yeah. Don't and remember it, the 90s. Uh, yes, yeah. It's it's getting on to for like 10 years since they broke up as well, which yeah. is like. It's lot cuz I
2: remember that pretty vividly. Mm,
1: yeah, insane. But yes, so it's the 50th episode, so I thought we would we would toast to uh, 50 episodes. Indeed. Uh, before we toast, can I point yes. out to
2: all the listeners that it's 10 past 10 in the morning?
1: <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's an appropriate drinking time where you're listening, dear listener.
2: Yeah, uh, that's true. Yes. Um, also, I drove here, but I don't have to drive uh, for like another eight hours or
1: so, so... Oh, you have maybe hinted towards <laughs> what we're watching. So, yeah, so what we're drinking is some... Bielaya Berioska vodka, which is white birch vodka, and it contains birch juice because they thought, vodka, it's not Russian enough. How can we make it more Russian? Let's put some birch juice in. I
2: associate birch. Is it like birch beer with sort of Pennsylvania? Uh, Ah, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's horrible. I quite like it. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I mean, I like root beer, but I'm also, I'm also, also like I'm also married, as you know, previous listeners will know, to a Pennsylvanian. So you know, I've acquired some tastes over the years.
2: Yeah, um, um, I mean, I'd rather eat scrapple than drink birch beer.
1: Scrapple is good.
2: <laughs> anyway, on that note, on that note, uh, these are very nice
1: glasses. Yes, I like them. <laughs> yeah, they're very, they're very pretty. This the, this is, <laughs> this is quite old vodka. This is a, a, a bottle that is. Uh, it's not like it matures or goes off, so we're probably fine. No. But... Uh, it mean, doesn't no
2: smell of anything, so that that's not good. alcohol, sign, <laughs> <is it>?
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this was a present from uh, from some students. Uh, right, how do we do this? Um, well, this is the thing. Um, what you don't do is you don't say Nazdorovia because okay. that's not actually a Russian toast. Um, right. What you normally do is a big, long toast, but it's two-something. Okay. Um... <laughs> uh, and now I'm trying to decide what I can actually do, and I might have to edit around this. Um, <laughs> given that we're watching War and Peace, right? I think maybe we should uh, we should t- toast to Leo Tolstoy. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I'm,
2: I'm I'm up for that.
1: Yeah, um, now I have to remember how to decline his name properly. <laughs> I think it's. I mean, I won't
2: be able to tell.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. Although some of your listeners probably. They can. probably will. Yeah. So. Uh, right. So I think it would be. Do we shot this or sip it? Really, you should shot it. And oh, oh, and you're also. You're not meant to put it down on the on the table before you finish it. So. Okay, before you finished it. Yes. Okay. I was
2: worried that you were going to say after you finish it, you just have to carry it around. <laughs> It's like you can't go down to sunset, or something.
1: No, as far as I know, that's that's uh, that's fine. But yeah, I, I was I was I was told by so for a little while, I I was about six months. I lived with a Russian family in their spare room, essentially, mm-hmm. and the the dad was like uh, taught me how to like drink vodka properly, <laughs> and one of the things was like. I mean, maybe this isn't a thing and he was just he was just BSing because, he could, because it was like, oh yeah, this is a gullible foreigner who will believe anything. Uh, but yeah, he told me that you weren't supposed to put a shot glass back on the table until it was empty. Okay, uh, so, I can see that. Yeah, but you also have lots of, lots of snacks, which we don't have. <laughs> I've got but, coffee. Uh, yes.
2: <laughs> which is here to wash it down, I guess. Yeah. I might really like it. Maybe I'll become a vodka drinker. Maybe. I don't think I've drank vodka... That wasn't in a
1: cocktail, or maybe in mm. a cocktail ah, since university. This is a new, new so, ex- new experience then. At least yeah. 15 years. Yeah, and you probably haven't had it with birch juice in it, not that. No. Yeah. Not that you probably be able to, either of us will be able to <laughs> taste it. But yes. So, okay. so yes, to Tolstoy. So, Zalva Tolstova.
2: By Echoey. Ah. Mm. that was
1: all right. Yeah. I'm not sure I tasted mm. the birch juice in. I mean, it didn't,
2: yeah, it didn't taste... Is this technically empty? Because there's a tiny little bit of... <laughs> <butter>.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: Um. <laughs> yeah, it didn't taste entirely, like, flavourless. So I guess there's mm. a little bit of birch there. Yeah.
1: That um. was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, my tongue's now on fire, and I have to use it to talk.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh um thanks Cheers.
2: Celebratory. Cheers. yes
1: yes 50 episodes uh it's uh yeah i i thought definitely wanted to have you on this one seeing as you've been on many episodes thank you including the very first one that's
2: definitely more episodes than cereal <laughs>
1: <laughs> so take
2: that cereal
1: yeah I, I don't even know what cereal is it's, it's a very acclaimed podcast. Oh, okay. I've totally missed um, it then. That's
2: all right. The, I would definitely recommend the first series because mm. they're all like about different crimes or whatever.
1: Uh, oh, okay, yeah, but yeah.
2: I think there are, are there three now, possibly. But mm. the first the first
1: series is really interesting. I was I was hearing it as in downhill. serial with a C. <laughs> oh. There's probably, <laughs> as a bo- there's probably a podcast probably is. with serial. Almost certainly, Surely. yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, well, it's a place to be here. So what yes. are we watching today? Uh as we've mentioned, we're watching War and Peace. Okay, so this isn't the first time we've watched a War and Peace on this show, so this is a different one. Previously, okay. we watched the Hollywood one from the 50s, so if you haven't heard that one already, go back and listen to it. It is a great episode. But yeah, this is this is the Soviet version from 1966, an auspicious year for English people. <laughs> yep. Uh, Because it was the one time we won the World Cup. Um, (laughs) Yes, and it was directed by Sergei Bondarchuk. And we've actually watched two of his son's films. So I feel kind of bad because uh, Sergei Bondarchuk is... From what I've heard, I haven't seen any of his films. A much more renowned quality director than his son, who kind of makes, yeah, popcorn movies. If that's why you're around, I guess. You want to watch the the not so good ones first, because otherwise
2: they're not ruined. Then they're not ruined by the better ones. <laughs> yeah, maybe.
1: Yeah, neither Stalingrad nor Attraction got like massively high reviews <laughs> from us. But but yeah, so this this is like. I think it's 422 minutes, which
2: it's quite a lot of minutes. It's a little over minutes. seven hours.
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're probably gonna get on with this pretty soon. So it's going to be a little bit of a different format this time. In that we're going to, after each like, disc, we're watching it on DVD. Um, we're gonna stop and do a short summary of what we've seen, and then you know, a quick what did you think of it, and then we're going to carry on, and then we're going to do the big, I was going to say, analysis. <laughs> I'm giving myself too much credit. Um, but yeah, the big summing up at the at, at the end. But before we start, do you know very much about War and Peace at all? Uh, I know it's based on the book. <laughs> Good.
2: I <laughs> <laughs> hope you knew that. By Leo Tolstoy, that's yep. about... Is it about the Napoleonic Wars? It is, yes. So that would be in the early 1800s?
1: It is, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, I know it's epic. Yeah, it's an epically long book. It's kind of like, if you want an edition that you don't need like a magnifying glass to read, it's kind of getting towards 1,500 pages. But yeah, I've read it. I read it when I was probably about like 21, 22, mm-hmm. and I initially being a cheapskate bought like a one edition copy it was like it's about 900 pages and it was literally like okay this is not gonna work <laughs> <laughs> it was just a tiny print uh, so yeah um it's been a long time since i've since i've read it it sounds awful but it was only like coming across subsequent adaptations that i really got a handle on the the plot do you know how close this is to the book I mean, we can discuss this I guess later. I think after I think it. pretty closely, just because it is as long as it is. The big issue that we had with the Hollywood adaptation from the fifties, even though it is three hours, so it's you know it's in the epic film bracket, is that it's just they're trying to cram too much in and they end up rushing stuff. So I think it's quite faithful, just from the fact that mm. it, it's long enough to do that i mean I'm, I'm sure they'll cut stuff out because it's a huge book but um i think a lot less ends up on the cutting room floor um one thing i would imagine is hard to incorporate is that like every so often you would get a philosophical bit mm. where tolstoy stops advancing the plot and kind of goes into like an essay about his theories of history. Like a big thing for him was that he really had no time for the great man of history <laughs> theory. He was very much a like it's kind of trenders and forces and individuals are kind of have their part to play, but it's it's hard to explain. It's mo it's kind of like a collective yeah. thing rather than, you know, great individuals. So yeah um so there's those kind of essay elements that i don't know how you'd incorporate it and uh, bbc radio adaptation from uh, getting on for 10 years ago did a surprisingly good job as far as i could see like giving some of those those ideas to characters in dialogue yeah. which sounds super clunky but the way that they framed it worked quite well uh, i probably banged on about the uh the BBC radio adaptation yeah, on, I, on the I previous remember, episode. I remember
2: it being on and then not really mm. listening to it. But oh, it was quite back. an event
1: because it was like I I seem to remember when they actually broadcast it, they just like it just took over Radio Four for like the entire day. Oh, okay. So it was cool. good, like I think it's ten hours, so it's even longer than this. But it's so good. Also, it has the uh, late lamented John Hurt oh, um, wow. as um, as a can you have an important minor character yeah, <laughs> it sounds like sounds like an oxymoron but yeah he's,
2: he's I guess he's, i think of those as like recurring characters in a sort of tv show yeah where they're people that show up frequently but they aren't part of like the main core yeah cast
1: yeah. yes so he's he's an important supporting character um and he's freaking awesome um so yes R.E.P. john Hurt. yeah i'll go um, that yeah. Um, so, yes, so we should probably probably get on with the thing.
2: That sounds good. Uh, I only skim read the Wikipedia article before coming here. <laughs> yeah, so what, what did you pick I only up? I can remember two facts. Okay. Three facts. One, it won. It's
1: almost like Spanish Inquisition facts yeah. <laughs> here.
2: Uh, it won best foreign film at the Oscars and the Golden Globes. That is, yeah,
1: I didn't know about the Golden Globes. Um, yeah, I did not know it won There the
2: were roughly 10,000 extras, which is um, quite a lot of extras. Mm,
1: yes. Uh, <laughs> yes, you can't you can't just CGI a bunch of soldiers <laughs> in, in 1966.
2: Uh, and the last one because it was a dog fact, so obviously oh, yeah. that was obviously that was the one that I was going to remember. Oh yeah, which presents a hunting scene that features Borzoi dogs. Right. Yes. Um, and at the time in the Soviet Union, that they were not a common breed of dog, mm. so they had to round. They managed to round some up from various different people. Oh, okay, uh, but none of them had hunted before, so they couldn't get them to. Oh, chase no. anything. So apparently <laughs> they had to get some other dogs in to do the hunting, and then they just filmed the Borzois at the very like last moment
1: of the bit. <laughs> oh, <no>. uh, <laughs> that, is a, that is a great. I'm not sure that's a dog fact so much as a dog anecdote. That's, yeah, that's, sorry, that's, dog that's awesome. anecdote. So uh yeah <laughs> yes, the Borzois cool. are
2: putting in less work in real life than it <laughs> for a
1: film. Nice. Cool. Well, on that spectacular factoid slash anecdote <laughs> we should probably launch into this thing yes absolutely. so what do we say Lynn hi that's what we say it is because
2: uh, because that's what Yuri Gagarin said when he was jetting off not jetting rocketing off into
1: space yes so yeah <laughs> I think I think it's I think it's suitably a- appropriate for launching on on such an epic absolutely. film so yeah all right so three two one Piekeli. Piekeli. Lynn and I have just watched the first part of War and Peace. We're about two hours in at this point. Yep. Slim two hours. So, we're just going to give you a quick update on what's <laughs> happened so far. Um mm. <laughs> Lynn's going to try. Um, so, what I thought we might do, rather than going straight into the plot, was asking, who have we met so far? Um... I have no
2: idea. <laughs> That's not quite true. I'm really struggling to tell who... Who is who. Yeah, who is who and what's their deal. Who would you say is the main guy? See, yeah, it just doesn't feel like there is a main guy, really. At this point. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few like people that have recurred. Okay. So there's the guy that just got shot at the end. Okay, so... Uh, who's- is he Prince something or a Prince?
1: He is, yes. Prince somebody. He, he's Prince Andre Balkansky. And, yeah, I
2: nearly said like Alexei, but Andre, okay. Yeah. So it was close ish. Yes. It says him. There's the guy that was in the red jacket at the start with the glasses yes. that's meant to be a lot younger than he looks.
1: Yes, yeah, so that is that is Pierre. Right, uh, yeah, Pierre okay. Bezukhov. Yep. Okay, I remember him.
2: I was going to say his mate, but it is his
1: mate the prince yes okay, yeah yes yeah, so, so andre and pierre are like best okay. best buds see so if you had
2: to say who was the main characters so far i would say that those two are the main
1: characters yes and you would be right okay cool
2: <laughs> uh, other recurring characters there's there's the old general yes uh,
1: you could you could be talking about several people here <laughs>
2: The guy that just appears to be like falling asleep and like losing it a bit
1: ah, that is Kutuzov and it's worth mentioning that he's an actual historical figure, okay. as is obviously Napoleon yep, <laughs> and we've also met another general called Bagration, and he's also historical, but yeah Andre and Pierre are fictional characters okay anyone
2: else I was, was going to say there's the old count that died. He yes. seemed important but was like hardly obviously in it.
1: Yes, that is Pierre's dad and... Okay, I knew they were related somehow, but I couldn't yes. couldn't quite yes. figure out exactly But Pierre is that character's illegitimate son, so there is okay. a big question mark over whether yeah. he's going to inherit, which he ultimately does.
2: Okay. Yeah, I I got something that they were related somehow and it wasn't clear whether he was going to inherit bit. Yeah, yeah that, that was yes. the key like
1: bit that I'd yes. missed. Yeah, um, so he so Pierre has inherited that count guy's money and so he is now loaded.
2: And then there seems to be like three notable female characters okay, so yep. far. So there's there's the old uh, lady that gave the prince the necklace, the icon. Ah, uh, yes. So she's not old old, but like yes, old relative to
1: the girl with the doll that's like full Yes, team. yeah, yeah. So that is Maria who is Prince Andrei's sister. Okay, yeah, yes. I assume
2: was, they were related somehow. Yes.
1: So there's her, there's the young lass. <laughs> yeah, the girl with the doll. The girl with the doll. Yes, that is Natasha Rostova. Okay, she
2: keeps showing up. And yep. the last one is the one that hasn't really said anything, just we keep flashing back to parties. And yes. people are like, she's very pretty.
1: Yes, so that is <laughs> Hélène. And she is... Just about to be married to Pierre. Okay, so I'm getting the impression that like you're finding the storytelling style a little yeah, I'm finding it very shangy. hard to like
2: work out really what's mm.
1: go like the
2: very very broad strokes you can kind of get yeah, but like any real details I'm okay. just really struggling to
1: okay. So those broad strokes that we haven't already mentioned then are
2: it's just the kind of overall like the overarching setting of yeah the Napoleonic Wars and Napoleon has invaded Austria mm-hmm. and that the Austrians have allied with the Russians yep. to try and repel him before he gets into Russia.
1: Yeah. How's that going by the end of part one?
2: So Napoleon <laughs> seems to be doing all right by the end of part one. And yeah. So the Russians are not doing great. So they, there's a, it's not really a victory, but a minor not defeat where they manage to hold off Napoleon, because some of the Russian-slash-Austrian army has been cut off uh, by the French, but then they manage to... The rest of the Russian army manages to hold off Napoleon enough for that army to largely... Like, retreat. Largely retreat without taking significant losses. And then there's the Battle of Austerlitz, apologies for my German pronunciation, which ends this... Disc. You're <laughs> gonna say half? It's, it's not, not it's, half. No,
1: it's, it's, it's yes. It's part one. Yes, uh, it's not even first, the end of the disc.
2: <laughs> this part this first part of the film, yeah. um, where Napoleon seems to defeat the combined Austria-Russian yes. armies. So, yeah. So, defense of Eastern Europe is not going. I guess I guess Austria, Central Europe. Um, well, <laughs> not, yeah, uh, going so well so far. Yes. But yeah, a lot of the details are, are lost to me. But we've, we've had some fun interludes. Oh, there's yes. The, Highlights. The, uh, so the marching soldiers, they're marching through Austria, start singing, which is fine. But then the, the guy in front appears to be employed to sort of do jaunty dances. <laughs> yeah. While the rest
1: of the soldiers are marching. Yeah. Uh, which was just un, unexpected. Yeah. Another f- favourite thing so far is the, like, more junior of the two Russian generals, Bagration, changing hats.
2: Oh, that was very good. Already wearing one giant hat and then has, like, an aide who just comes to him with a different hat, which is also giant and ridiculous. Well,
1: the first first hat is this kind of, like, fluffy cap thing. It's got a peak. (laughs) And then he switches it over to that more giant, like... It's a bicorn hat, I guess, isn't it? Yes, I guess it would be a bicorn hat. Yeah, it's the kind of the thing that if you think <laughs> Napoleon or the Duke of Wellington, yeah. it's that giant, which it's looks like... It's era of
2: military hats, I guess. Yeah,
1: it kind of looks like you've kind of like cut a pair in half and yeah. like stuck the top half on you. It's the unclear so far whether the
2: guy that gives him the other hat is just like, well, that's his job, whether he's <laughs> just like the hat guy. Yeah. Corporal hat guy. Yeah. Um... <laughs> So uh, I'm looking forward to more of that. Yes. Um, I, it's an incredibly shot film so far, in oh. addition to obviously the thousands of extras, just yeah. all the aerial shots that I can't imagine in the 60s. Yeah. Like, I mean, even in Hollywood, I can't imagine people are doing them that often. Yeah. And they're amazing.
1: Yeah. It definitely lives up to that phrase of like throwing just all the money at the screen.
2: Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's stunning to look at. Yeah, I don't associate older movies necessarily with such a kind of kinetic camera. Like there's always movement all the time. There's so many Yeah,
1: even in the like the talky shots yeah. there's there's a there's a lot of um there's a lot of movement too. There's a
2: lot of movement, there's a lot of like I assume this was intentional like sort of from some person's point of view shots. Mm. Yes, like um, when, when the count
1: is. Yeah, that's the most notable bit. Yeah, mm. with
2: the sort of dying count and you get sort of weird blurring and like ghosting effects and things just
1: yeah and then there's one like it's awful but also kind of hilarious (laughs) point of view shot
2: (laughs) it just didn't seem like very much in keeping with the tone of the film no
1: it suddenly it suddenly it it suddenly went all carry on it did very carry on (laughs) so 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 so, if you if you've not watched the film along with her so far that if you have, you'll know exactly which which shot we're talking about. But the shot we're talking about is essentially Pierre is having a conversation with Hélène, who's his sort of like intended, but he has very kind of mixed feelings about. But he has established that that, she, <laughs> that he's attracted to her, and we just see this point of view shot where he just stares at her cleavage. Yeah, where well, the just,
2: camera just pans down. Pans down. down. <laughs> you're like, this is too much time. It's like it's like the whole thing is an episode. Yeah, either it's carry on or it's an episode of Peep Show. where yeah. um, <laughs> everything's just first person perspectives. Of,
1: yeah, uh, it's just uh, like okay, that's what. We, but yeah, it just feels so like. <laughs> out of keeping with the very like grand style of the rest of it
2: my assumption about part two is there's going to be a time jump i mean i realize that the whole thing is set over a period of guessing a decade or so yeah
1: yeah um yeah so what is the last thing that's that's happened which is a very you know
2: oh yes that was good so um the prince gets wounded on the battlefield Mm -hmm. and then is lying on the ground being obviously in pain and like looks up and sees the sky and has an epiphany about the universe how, about yeah about life and how kind of human beings are just deceit and complication and that kind of thing and the only true thing is the beauty of the sky and the expanse of it and how he's never really noticed that before
1: yeah but then he has doubts and is like well is this, is this even real <laughs> End of part one. Uh, yeah. Well, and then Napoleon shows up. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And he's like, Ah, oh, voila! It is a noble <laughs> death. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, in he, terms t- of Monty Python, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I should say he sa- he says it in French, and then there's a, like a Russian overdub, and then we've got the subtitles on top of it.
2: Yeah, they seem reluctant to subtitle anything that's not in Russian. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. Um, well, and that's the thi- that's the thing, like. In the initial scenes especially, mm. like uh we have a lot of conversations that are between Russians, but they're nobles, so they're chatting away in French because that's what you did. So but the way that they've done it on the film is that they for some of it, they'll say it they'll say it mm. in French, and then you'll get like a Russian overdub of what they of what they said immediately afterwards, and then of course we're getting the subtitles as well. And then sometimes you have, like, especially when... Oh, that's another person who we need to introduce, sort of. Uh, it's Prince Andrei's wife. You've got bits where she would say yeah. things to her husband in French, mm. and then he would respond in Russian, and we'd only get, like, the response that was, <laughs> that was in Russian, <laughs> subtitled. So you kind of, like, had to work out sort of from context what she had said but she was switching between French and Russian and they weren't doing overdubs and the other thing that was weird is that you've got lots of narration as well a fair bit of narration
2: okay I'm not sure I've clocked that really uh, okay
1: yeah no I felt like it was more like you have uh, narrators talking and then there's people talking in the background in oh, okay. some scenes and that we've had a, sense. had a bit of it in some of the battles but yes it's kind of bewildering but it's it's certainly bewildering but I'm
2: kind of enjoying it I mean mm that was two hours and it's without about... thinking about how much more we've got mm. to go like that <laughs> I've, I've watched films that are two hours long and that felt a lot longer than this has so far mm. so okay. it definitely it's not it may be long but it's not just full of it's nothing.
1: not dragging
2: yeah it's not dragging particularly okay. it's, 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 it's cool. there's, there's plenty
1: going on yeah awesome well we should get to the next part yeah I'm excited got... about the next part excellent I'm glad to hear it alright right cool thanks very much And we're back again. Lynn and I have watched part two, although, (laughs) programming note here. (laughs) Yeah. Um, This is very confusing. We watched
2: disc two, film two, part two, even though it seemed to be that part one started on disc one in film one.
1: Yes. Yes. It's very confusing, and we are very confused. So we apologize if we're also confusing you. There was about 45 minutes of film. Yeah. Off, may- after our last interval. Yes, that was still on the... Still, yeah, still film one, but was already into part two. Confusing. And something just fell off somewhere, and I have no idea what that was. But I'm hoping it's going to be okay. It's probably fine. It's just it's just our resident, resident ghosts. But, yes. So we're a little bit confused. And we apologise for any confusion we have caused. But, yeah, uh, it's been a little while. We've... It's been, what, two more hours worth of film in total? Yeah, yeah, slightly more than that, yep. Yeah. And where are we? Where have we been? Uh, What's happened?
2: Was there a peace treaty or something at the start between France and Russia? Yes. Napoleon visits the floating island of peace or something.
1: Yes, in Tilsit, which I'm not even sure I know where that is. (laughs) I have a feeling it might be in... have been in one of the German... States okay. Like, at the time, but yeah. It may now be in Poland. I have no idea. Borders have moved a lot since, you know, the Napoleonic yeah. times.
2: And then there was like an hour and a half of people kind of falling in love or not falling in love and arguing with each other about whether they'd fall in love or not.
1: Yes, be a bit more specific. So, uh,
2: everyone's in love with... Is it Natasha?
1: Mm-hmm. Who um, we met in the first part, who was very young in the first part. Yeah,
2: so then it jumps to... 1810? Well, it jumps very briefly to 1807 for about five minutes. Yes, so that's the Tilsit bit. Then it yeah. goes forward to, to 1810. 1810. So we're, what, like five years on or something from roughly, from the first, most yeah. of the first part. So I guess she's like 19 or something. Ish-ish. Ish. ish yeah. eighteen nineteen twenty 20, somewhere around there. So, so she's engaged to one guy that she doesn't seem very interested in.
1: Yes, which is Prince Andre. That's right. Who, despite being pretty severely wounded at the end of part one, has recovered. And...
2: Yes. So, uh, it's confusing, because he doesn't seem that interested in her. Yeah. But she's interested in him. And then, eventually, there's a ball where she's like a sort of debutante. And she's like, why won't anyone dance with me?
1: Yes. Uh, And then... Then someone dances with someone her. Someone dances with her, namely Prince Andre. Yeah, and then that,
2: so that all happens, and then some other things go on, and then we're near the end, and the mate of the guy that was almost killed in the duel at the end of part one against Pierre, yes, is at the theatre, and then she falls in love with him, mm-hmm. apparently, and then it's super dramatic, and then Pierre shows up right at the end. And it's like, well, if I was single and younger, and I fell in love with you too, I guess. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I don't. I do not blame you for being um, bewildered. Yeah. There's a lot of plot.
2: It's kind of weird because there's a lot less. I don't know. Yeah. Is there more plot? The first. See, the first part, I felt like there was more stuff going on. They kept moving to different locations.
1: Yes, and there was also a lot more war. Yeah. There's a lot of peace,
2: but it's all emotional war.
1: Yes. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. We've, we, and we also had a, this is, this is where the, between the two films Mm. has been a problem because I think this was in the end of film one, but in part two, we had the duel between.
2: Oh yeah. Have we skipped that bit?
1: I feel like I we think might have... So, I think we might have done. I think I'm just
2: so focused on what was on the disc. Yes. Um, yeah, you're right. So Pierre jewels this other guy for sleeping with his wife.
1: Called Dollehoff. Yes. Um, yeah.
2: And even though Pierre is very nervous and thinks Jules are stupid and there's a bad shot, manages to shoot Dollehoff.
1: Dollehoff. Thank you. We assume in the stomach or yeah, something. Yeah, it looks
2: more... Yeah, the stomach or maybe the hip or something.
1: Yeah, it's a... Uh, yeah, it's definitely an... Abdominal wound, but yeah. not one that actually kills you, yes, um, uh, so he does
2: survive, but it looks like he's in pain. He yeah. doesn't seem so far to be particularly bitter up
1: Pierre about it. no, he seems to be taken taken it really in his stride,
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> being like nearly mortally wounded, but maybe that's just what it's like being a 19th century Russian aristocrat, hothead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah. Well, he nearly killed me at one point. <laughs> you know, no hard feelings. <laughs> um, it's that happened. I, t- I feel like it's
2: really hard to summarise it because mm, yeah. I, I think yeah, because the first disc I found or the first part I found difficult to follow, but because it was quite segmented, hmm. at least you can say like, oh, they're back at home and so this is happening, then they're in war and this is happening, and then they're in France, and then they're in sorry, not in France, they're in Austria, and then there's this battle, and you're like, okay, yeah. so broadly put together and then missing details. But because this is the second part's almost entirely set, just like at people's houses. Yes. Barring a brief hunting sequence. Yeah, it will kinda of merge into one. And they just keep cutting. So there'll be like Natasha and one guy and then it will kind of fade briefly but they'll be in the mm. same room in the same lighting, and it's Natasha and a different guy.
1: Yeah. And some of the transitions weren't super clear, and also there's some split screen going on. There's some
2: split screen going on. A lot of the actors look very similar to each other. Yes,
1: yeah. There's The guy who plays Pierre is very distinctive, and yeah. he's also the director, we should say.
2: And I was doing okay with Natasha, but then Sonia, her cousin or something, shows up and looks like her. Yes,
1: we briefly saw... Sonia in part one, as she was kissing Nikolai, who is Natasha's older brother. Um, <laughs> who we kind—I of, think we kind of skipped him out. But there's <laughs> about
2: three like youngest gentlemen that aren't Pierre. That yeah, all pretty much look a glance, unless they're standing next to each other. Yeah, Look quite similar. similar.
1: They're all about the same height. They have a very similar haircut. And, they, yeah. and they're and they all very square-jawed and handsome. And because
2: they're pretty much all in the middle street, they're all wearing the same uniforms as well. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't help. Which doesn't help. Yeah. Um. So right at the very end of this part, it comes up, there's a comet, sorry, and then it comes up with 1812. And we all know what happens in 1812. They burned down the White House. <laughs> they meaning the they Canadians? Meaning... No. Um... <laughs> yeah, b- b- uh, the British also, British forces yeah, yeah, uh... in the War of eighteen twelve. That's right. Uh... Uh, why don't Why do they want? If it's not, I mean, it's called the War of eighteen twelve. Which war are you meant to think of when you think of eighteen <laughs> twelve?
1: Yeah, it's it wasn't the most creative naming a war. <laughs> no. particularly as I think it started before 1812 and finished afterwards, but um but that's yeah. Rubbish. Uh, but no, of course
2: you've seen that Napoleon starting to invade Russia and it is very portentous. It's very portentous, so that's what we've got to look forward to in part 3, I guess.
1: Indeed. All right, so let's get back to it. Oh dear listener, we are back once again for our penultimate section of this <laughs> podcast. We are. How goes it, Lynn? It's all right. It was only an hour and twenty minutes. Yeah, it was quite a short section. It, but but no. Well, one good thing is that part three, the disc lines up with <laughs> where the where it you know it ended the film at at end of part three. But yeah. this is not. The end of the film of War and Peace. This is the end of film three of War and Peace. Yeah. But yeah. Ugh. That was intense. It was it just was... pretty
2: much the whole thing was just a battle sequence.
1: Yes. Yeah. Which was kind of amazing. There was a bit of a preamble, a but not bit. very much. No, I
2: reckon probably an hour of that was the battle sequence. Yeah. And then there was like 15 minutes or so at the start of preamble. Yeah. Um, that might be wrong, but that's how I felt.
1: Yes. Yeah. It was just this like pretty constant onslaught which means we left behind
2: kind of most people that we've met
1: yeah well we did have at the beginning prince andre's dad oh yes dies we did he dies i mean he goes like kind of progressively sort of like dementia Mm. and then he dies yep he kind of gets confused about what's happening he thinks that the french are way further away than they are And then he suddenly realises, oh, like, they're here. And then
2: we don't meet Andre again until
1: the very end of the disc. Uh, We briefly meet him before the battle. But what happens right before the battle? Who turns up that you might not expect to see? Yeah. Yes. Is he like the audience
2: surrogate by the fact that he spends the whole battle standing around looking confused? I guess so, Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, it, it's a thing that happens in the book and it's just very random to see it on screen. Yeah, that bit didn't really make...
2: Is there more context in the book? Because it didn't seem to make a lot of sense. So he's, oh. he shows up in a top hat and a sort of linen suit.
1: He looks so ridiculous. He looks so out
2: of place. And then just kind of stands around by some cannoneers. Is that what they're called? People that fire cannons for most of it? Just yeah. chatting to
1: people. Yeah. Um Yeah, but before the battle, he meets up with Andre, which I don't think happens quite this way in the book. I think it it happens, like, a fair bit before the battle, whereas this is kind of, like... So right beforehand. Pretty much, like, the night before, and Andre and him kind of have a heart-to-heart, and Andre is basically like, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But not in a kind of, like, not in a I'm scared, but just in a sort of, like stoic like resigned sort of depressed but not yeah. like yeah not in a like i'm afraid kind of way yeah that feels accurate um and then the battle happens
2: yeah so lots of people die it's hard to convey on a podcast what the battle sequence is like because it's so visual and so not really much plot or
1: anything yeah yeah, I mean one thing that we said as we were watching it was that it's very hard to get a sense of what's going on in a like a sort of tactical, like yeah. overview sense. It's, it's-
2: about two thirds of the way through until it seems like you see anybody do anything that feels I don't know much about Napoleonic era warfare, but it feels like does anything tactical rather than just like, well, just run towards them, I guess. Try and shoot, I guess.
1: Yeah, there's just a lot of people like <laughs> marching in one direction, people marching in the other. Cavalry charges this way, cavalry charges that way. Huge explosions.
2: Yeah, it's quite disorienting.
1: Yeah. Um. um I mean, I feel like that's deliberate is yes. that it's giving you this kind of like, to use that infamous phrase, shock and awe. Mm. Like, this is terrifying and awful. Yeah. But yeah, later on, you do get this one bit where you have—I think this is the bit you were alluding to—where some French cavalry are like charging towards this uh, like Russian cavalry group, and then the Russian cavalry group just like peels away and re- reveals that there's this like huge gun battery behind them, and like the French just get like blown away, and it feels like this was deliberate. It's, um, and it's
2: it's kind of unclear enough that you only really know anything about the outcome from the narration at the very end of the film. Yes,
1: yeah. Well, and there's sort of some argument as well. Like we see Kutuzov, who's not the main general, towards oh, yeah, the end. And there's a bit where a guy comes up to him and is basically like, oh no, we're losing, we're losing. In the... And then Kutuzov, like balls him out and is like, how dare you say that to me? <laughs> we're not losing. Uh, you just saw it wrong. And then, as you say, at the end, the narration sort of semi-explains. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The narration kind of seemed to,
2: I mean, again, don't know much about it because so many people seem to die. It seems to kind of Mm. overstate how much of a victory this was.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so it doesn't
2: look like that much of a victory. Yeah.
1: So the way the the narration explains it is that it's a Russian moral victory, Mm -hmm. um, which is kind of like, yeah, generally agreed to be sort of the case like technically the russians retreated but both sides suffered like Mm. insanely heavy losses and that like technically it's a victory for the french in the sense that they continued to advance but it's very much like a pyrrhic victory Mm. because they lost a lot of men and kind of momentum and morale and like yeah but yeah the battle we we should i don't think we've mentioned um, is the battle of borodino and it's like one of the most famous battles of the napoleonic war but yeah it's incredibly impressive very bewildering and
2: yeah we were speculating how long it took to film i have no idea yeah but it must have been
1: a lot yeah 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 like we have some of these kind of like swooping shots where the camera just kind of like dives into the middle of the action and then a lot of it is just like the scale of you just have Mm the whole widescreen filled with... Yeah, just thousands troops of troops yeah. marching or cavalry charging, and, like, you have people standing on hilltops and all this stuff happening down below them, and you just go, how the heck did you choreograph this?
2: So I'm interested to see how it ends. My suspicion would be it'll be a bit more like the first film, and it's a mix mm. of battle and of <laughs> non-battle scenes. Yeah. We had the second one that was just all... Talky, all talky. Yeah. <laughs> the third one's all fighty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether we we'll bookend it with a film that's
1: more like. I, the I think. One, but uh, I think that's we'll pretty, a pretty solid prediction. But yeah, let's let's cool. let get back to it. Onwards, right. Onwards. <laughs> once again and we are back for the final part of the episode. Hi Lynn, how are you doing?
2: I'm okay. I've had a second wind. If you've asked me out after the third part, my have been knackered.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I I must admit I was I was definitely uh, definitely flagging and feeling pretty like if you'll pardon the pun shell shocked. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, what has happened in the final instalment? Well,
2: I was trying to think of, like, a Le Miserable Moscow pun, but I couldn't really get one. <laughs> um, because <laughs> it all gets very bleak and Pierre's walking around like he's an impoverished man in Paris. Mm. As the French are there, burning yeah. down Moscow. Yes. Um, it seems rude.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is, it is ambiguous, both from history and this version, like, who did it oh what do you mean like whether it's deliberately like the french burning down moscow or whether it's the russians like burnt it down as a kind of like screw you guys oh yeah on the way out the back door slash whether it's an accident i think i think generally the consensus is that it was kind of an accident that it's just you have a lot of drunk people like running around the place and moscow at that time was very wooden i mean you see lots of stone cathedrals but most of the buildings were mostly wood so
2: you know i can't believe that there was a combination of all three of those things
1: yeah 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 um i mean i know there's one version that is like that the russians were just kind of like do you know what this is so much like to the death Mm. but we're just gonna burn our own like second city down just to spite you napoleon Um, um but yeah
2: so then what happens?
1: Well, he narrowly avoids death.
2: He does, yeah. And then they're kind of they're captured by the French, aren't they? Him and a load of other people.
1: Yeah, basically arrested because. Yeah, and then
2: they're kind of dragged around the
1: place. Yeah, and then there's a like essentially a firing squad.
2: Yeah, there's a firing squad. He makes friends with a peasant with a dog. Yep. Then, then you know what? I can't really remember the next bit between that and then the <laughs> French invading the rest of russia in winter and then
1: well they're basically leaving moscow actually they just they decide at a certain point ah, uh, yeah this isn't working out and they decide to leave before the winter really sets in which that doesn't necessarily come across from the film but that didn't really work well it doesn't come across that they're trying to get out before the winter sets in no it's just they're leaving and the winter's you know sorry guys too late it's really cold now yeah. So is it a bit of a blur?
2: Yeah, it is a bit of a blur. And then I can't remember the last bit, and they're leaving, and then there's lots of people die, and all the horses die because it's winter and mm-hmm. it's terrible, and then they surrender, and then the old half blind general p- pops up again. Yes. To accept their surrender and was like, yes, thanks everyone for helping out with defending Russia.
1: Yeah. Does anyone else who's important die? The prince dies. Yes, Prince André dies, he having dies. got wounded in the last bit. Yeah, I feel like I, somebody I, else I, dies. Sometimes. Yeah, a couple so. more, couple more people die. So Pierre's wife dies off screen. She does. Yeah. Uh,
2: ah, oh, what's the duelists' mate? Kinderloff. Ah, uh, Kinder surprise. <laughs> Kinder surprise. Uh,
1: Kuragin, he actually died. Yeah. <laughs> He actually died in the last... At the end of the last okay, bit. yeah, that had yeah he he had, Yeah, he had... I had thought his,
2: he died at some point. Back at yeah, the place, yeah. About.
1: Prince Andres sees him getting his leg chopped off okay. when he himself is, like, on a stretcher kind of thing. But also the peasant with a dog that Pierre befriends mm. very briefly. He dies. He gets shot by the French because oh, uh, okay. he can't keep up. And then also... Natasha's youngest brother um, oh yeah he dies because he joins the army he does join the army he looks like he's about 12 yes against his parents' protests and
2: then he's on a horse waving a sword around and one of the other officers is like wait for the infantry to get here and he's like, ah, sod that!
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I'll just gallop right into the French, uh, which doesn't work out great.
1: Yeah, yeah. It turns out, turns <laughs> out, cavalry charging into like defended, uh, <laughs> defended gun positions, not a good idea. No,
2: with no support, because you haven't, you can't be bothered to wait around.
1: No, yeah. His death is kind of like honkingly foreshadowed. It's like. Oh, you are you are such a goner, mate. <laughs> uh, but I mean, it's very sad when he dies. But yeah,
2: it's like a, it's quite an impactful scene, and yet at the mm. same time, it's sort of mixed feelings because you're like, you are being a bit dumb.
1: Everyone told you to be careful. <laughs> like... It's, like, oh. it's like you didn't
2: have to do this. You, you're not you're not some poor guy that's been conscripted. Um... No.
1: And then who else? I think that's I think that's it from the like the so. the main characters. Lot. Yeah. Um so we haven't
2: got to the very end, no, where Pierre returns,
1: yes, from... after the French have left, yeah, also we missed out a thing, like he briefly wants to murder Napoleon,
2: oh yeah, I thought that was just an underlying plot point,
1: yeah, I thought they were gonna do more with that because in other versions they spend more time on it, but yeah, he briefly like mentioned <laughs> <laughs> like he briefly mentions he's gonna murder oh Napoleon. that's right when the
2: French he speaks to some french officer like invader's house yeah. and then they end up having dinner or whatever and the french officer's like oh yeah yeah, yeah napoleon's showing up tomorrow yeah yeah it's like napoleon's coming here
1: yeah and uh, he kind of like thinks to himself <laughs> i am going to kill him
2: and then enacts this plan the next day by walking up to a french guard and being like uh yeah can i come in it's like no
1: all right then fine <laughs> yeah <laughs> Then
2: that's yeah. the end of that subplot
1: yeah um in other versions there's there's much, that's dwelt on much more. And there's this whole <laughs> business where Pierre, like, through this really, really tortured logic and some numerology, figures out that if you calculate the values in, like, Napoleon Bonaparte, it somehow uh, comes to 666, the number okay. of the beast. Right. And then he, like, makes his own name also add up to that. And that means that he's going to, like save Russia by killing the Antichrist Napoleon. I mean, Napoleon. we can
2: all come up with stupid justifications for our bad ideas <laughs> in life, so...
1: Yeah, I-, I wonder whether they just went, this is a long movie anyway, so we'll just ditch that really ridiculous thing.
2: That's true. <laughs> uh, so he finally comes back to Natasha, who of course now is single, and Pierre is also now single, yes. because everybody they love is dead. Mm-hmm. And then they just have a flashback.
1: Yes, to when she was, like, 13.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit creepy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then we return to the voiceover that we had at the very beginning of the film, Yeah, which was about how, like, if all the, like, evil or, like, ill-willed people in the world unite to do bad things, then the good people have to unite to oppose them. And that basically, like, is... it. It finishes out as well. It's a very similar shot. It's like this kind of either yeah, balloon or plane shot that's just kind of like rising up. So the message
2: of this seven-hour film is, join the union?
1: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, that's, that's <laughs> that, that sounds like not wholly out of uh, <laughs> what a film made in the Soviet Union would, would be. Although, yeah, obviously, like, yeah, labor unions didn't work quite how... <laughs> No. Um, Yeah, so we didn't get... Because it almost
2: went a little bit magical realist for a Mm. moment. Not quite. Mm. When the young... When Natasha's younger brother is having a dream the night before he goes into battle. Yeah. And then I thought his horse was talking to him, but it turns out it was a guy that was standing behind him and not the horse. (laughs) That's my own fault. <laughs> it's a um, long film. It's hard but yeah, to I just thought it was gradually going to turn into like Inglorious Bastards, and he was actually going to kill Napoleon. <laughs> yeah, it was yes. like an old history. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yes. Thankfully, Quentin Tarantino did not direct this, and therefore... surely that's
2: his next next project. <laughs>
1: I mean, I wouldn't put it past no. him with his levels of hubris. <laughs> Spe- although speaking of renowned directors. Brilliant segue, but Peter Jackson must have seen this because it feels like some of the battle sequences, particularly in Return of the King, seem yeah. like they're very much a lot of, a of draw- the Rohan right? stuff, and yeah, yeah, definitely. So we've kind of summed up the end of end of the plot. Mm-hmm we've made it to the end of this monster <laughs> film. I think the version we've watched isn't the longest version out there. It was this one was about 400 minutes and it yeah. turns out there's like a 420 something minute one out there. So yeah, I feel like we've <laughs> I feel sad because it's like <laughs> we haven't seen the fullest version. <laughs> On the other hand, that was still, you know, that was
2: definitely, if we're counting all those four parts as one film, that was mm. definitely the longest I've ever seen.
1: Yeah, I want to say there's a Bella Tarr film, I think it's Satan Tango, or I don't know how you pronounce it, but okay. that's, that's like, yeah, a Hungarian film that's from like the mid 90s that's similarly gigantically long. But yeah, this is the longest thing I've I've ever seen. And yeah, it's... Pretty frickin' exhausting, but I'm still really glad I I saw yeah, it. Yeah,
2: I'm glad I saw it.
1: I get the impression that you found it a bit of a struggle in terms of like following the plot and characters.
2: Yeah, if i watching this by myself, I would have really struggled. Mm. Like it was only be- mainly because you and your partner were here and yes. knew more of the
1: frequent guest Carrie. <laughs> yeah,
2: like knew more of the basic plot because mm. I think it does a pretty bad job of. Yeah, explaining a lot of things.
1: Yeah, which it feels really bad because I feel like I don't want to mark it down because it's such an epic, impressive film. But yeah, you're totally right. There are shortcomings in terms of like,
2: which I feel somehow is less excusable than a seven-hour film.
1: <laughs> I know that there's a lot still a lot of things in it.
2: Yeah, but, uh... yeah. You think you'd get
1: around <laughs> to like explaining who everyone is? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like on the one hand, you don't want to necessarily like spell things out, but. It is, no,
2: like... I'm not suggesting that everyone needed an introductory yeah. monologue, but it, yeah, I mean, part of that is probably subtitles, and part of that is just mm. like there's a degree of assumed cultural understanding, perhaps. Yeah, not. That I'm suggesting that every Russian person knows every detail of War and Peace, but yeah,
1: there's the. But yeah, when you
2: depending on your target audience, there's a certain level of perhaps...
1: Yeah, base knowledge that yeah. you wouldn't necessarily... It's like by cultural osmosis, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's loads of things that you don't necessarily have to have actually seen, but you'd kind of have the gist of yeah. just because people talk about it. But yes, yeah, so I, I, would, I would say this is definitely not the most accessible to a Western audience version of this story by a long shot. <laughs> on the other hand... Whilst there's good stuff in the Hollywood version from, like, the decade before this one was made, this, like, the pacing of this, I mean, it's twice, basically twice, at least twice as long, so you'd hope so, but the pacing of that is so much much worse than Mm. this. It's so much like trying to cram too much into too small a container. So I like the fact that this gave the characters a bit more, like, room to breathe yeah um and it's also like there's a certain amount of because i wasn't familiar with the cast with this you don't have the like oh yeah that's so and so (laughs) that's so and so that's so and so taking you out of the story it's much more like you know the actors are the characters in a way i did recognize or i didn't know Sergei bondarchuk the director who plays pierre as well from something else, so mm. I was kind of like used to seeing him, but yeah, the other people, it's just like, oh, yeah, well, I don't know them from anywhere else, so it's it kind of makes the sort of buy in easier. Um, highlights any like <laughs> it's almost um, difficult to just the, much,
2: the but... visuals really are amazing, mm. and it's hard to pick out like an individual bit, yeah, that is particularly great because it maintains. It maintains such like a high quality of visual impact mm, yeah. throughout its whole runtime, yeah. really.
1: Yeah, um, and even when there's matte paintings that you know are matte paintings, they still look really nice. It's yeah. like, yeah, okay, I know that this and is a special effect, but it's
2: only really a couple of scenes where it, it was that noticeable. Mm. I mean, I don't know whether those were the only scenes in map with matte paintings, or whether it's just that the other ones weren't really yeah obvious. They, yeah. Um, yeah, it's mostly those Moscow scenes from mm. outside moscow when it's burning and when people are leaving. Yeah. uh where it's very obviously
1: a map painting but Yeah. Um yeah, you said you mentioned in a previous bit like the kineticness of the
2: Yeah, there's so many shots that just seem well that are beautifully framed and lit and even like sort of special effect shots that still seem impressive. Mm. In a way that I don't know sometimes I watch old films and you go oh well that must have been really impressive for the time. Yeah, but now it's just like eh yeah. But there's a lot of shots in this that still seems really... I mean, cool is the wrong word, but you know what I mean? like
1: Just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I kind of feel like a film like this will probably like never be made again, just because it's like the expense of doing all the stuff in camera with gazillions of extras. It's just like, well, why? Because yeah. we can just do it on a computer.
2: Definitely those classes of movies where there's just yeah too much... Too many extras and too many
1: yeah sets burnt down and <laughs> all that kind
2: of yeah it would be very difficult just for the cast one exactly just yeah. do it in post
1: yeah 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 and mm-hmm. and and this this it sounds like it almost had like an unlimited budget I mean mm-hmm. I don't know how much it like would have actually worked out as in terms of like like contemporary US dollar value but it must have been something insane yeah but it's it's so cool it's uh, yeah just visually one of the most like striking films that I've seen. And I mean I like the I like the performances. I mean Carrie made a joke about getting a bit because she joined us for bits and pieces of the film. She said she got a bit fed up with emo Natasha. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think that's partly the character. Yeah. Actually, as someone new to the story, did you have characters that you liked or identified um, with or I don't like, I guess Pierre.
2: I like Pierre. Mm. Even though he's a bit of an idiot. <laughs> yeah, we didn't... Yeah, yeah. Um, so we talked a bit when he's in the... Is it the sec- third part? The third part where mm. it's the big battle. Just wandering he's just Borodino. wandering through, dressed inappropriately. <laughs> yeah. Not really helping or yeah. doing anything.
1: Somehow not getting mowed down, <laughs> yeah. despite, um, like... Yeah. Sticking out like a sore thumb.
2: So, yeah. I think he's probably probably my favorite character but um... and there's still
1: issues with him like oh yeah yeah, yeah. Like definitely gets, i'm not he not gets because kind he's of particularly
2: heroic or particularly <laughs> no, a great
1: guy but you get more of his like internal life and he seems to even like when he loses his temper he seems to kind of like think better of it later yeah he's
2: he's pretty like relatable in someone that is like pretty flawed and loses it a bit and doesn't really know what's going on but, yeah uh, hopefully it's not a terrible person. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, this is super, super flippant, but um, I did, I, I, did say that Natasha was kind of like the like proto manic pixie dream girl in a I way. Think she
2: definitely starts that way. I think it doesn't necessarily end that way. Mm, yeah, um, but yeah, in the early bits. But I think. that...
1: She kind of reminds it's me... It's a bit more
2: excusable because she's a teenager.
1: Yes. Yeah. But when she's kind of, like, dancing around the place, she kind of reminds me of Kate Bush in the Wuthering Heights <laughs> She's dancing around the place where, like,
2: everyone is in love with her. Yeah.
1: And... Yeah. And she's Even just... though there
2: doesn't seem to be much a real connection between
1: anybody. <laughs> no, no. And, and you do get very frustrated with her, like, falling for... Kuragin, who basically just goes, "Oh yeah, you're so you're so gorgeous. I love you," even though he's just <laughs> met her, and she's just like, "Oh okay, <laughs> I'm the happiest I'll ever be." You're like, yeah. Oh, "Okay, yeah," um, and that uh, having spent the last you know goodness knows how many minutes of screen time, kind of like mooning over over Andre and how lovely he is, and then he goes away. I mean, you do get like for someone who's in the teenage years to have to wait for a year for something Mm. is super tough yeah it's hard as an adult to wait for for something that long but
2: yeah years definitely feel longer when you're a
1: teenager yeah because it's it's a larger proportion of your whole life but yeah yeah it's um yeah but you are kind of like oh for goodness sake (laughs) and then and then pierre like declaring like awkwardly saying like oh yeah if you were if you were single and i were someone else I would, you know, totally, I would totally ask to marry you. Yeah,
2: that happening at the end of the film was like, I thought a weird payoff,
1: but there Mm. you go. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's nice that they, in some ways that they get together because they probably are better suited to each other than Mm. she and Andre were, but him, like, declaring his love at this totally inappropriate time earlier on in the film is kind of awkward, but... I think I think often in other versions it's like portray... I mean, in, and in this too, it's portrayed as like, oh, he's such a kind mm. guy because she's like, he's he's showing her how much you know how much he like values her. But it's just a like, yeah, it's still kind of weird and awkward for me anyway. But um, what else can we talk about? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We do recommendations. Things if you want. Yeah, yeah. So would you recommend this? I mean, it's a big time commitment.
2: I think last time we talked, we watched something that was not great, but it was short. What was it?
1: Oh, it was A Russian Youth. Editor's note. Uh, Spoiler alert for what's coming up later this season, I guess.
2: Oh, yes. We watched A Russian Youth, which was interesting rather than being great, but short. So it was easy to say, like, look, it's interesting enough. You should pick it up. Yeah. It's weird to it's difficult to apply that to a film that is seven hours long.
1: Yes. Um, and also requires some probably a little bit of prior homework if you're unfamiliar with yeah. the story.
2: In that sense it's kind of difficult to recommend. I'd like hand... to see it again, but I I quite like to see the restored version that is unavailable in the UK mm. on the biggest screen I could find with the yes. subtitles
1: off. Mm, really
2: yeah because i didn't really understand what was going on anyway Mm. and it's such like a visual thing Mm. and having kind of seen it and got a very rough idea of what's going on i just like to be able to watch it Mm. and kind of zone out and just see it just in the the best quality that's because we're watching the dvd transfer which was i don't know it seems like it was done in the fairly early days of dvd yeah um and it was it last year or a couple of years ago. There's apparently a new transfer. Yes, yeah,
1: Janus um, or Janus Films did. Yeah, yes, it was actually like seeing the trailer for that. That was kind of like I knew about this version anyway, but that was just kind of like oh my goodness, I have to see this because
2: this still looks great. Mm. And I can only imagine, but it's a bit flickery and some of the mm. colors are a little bit
1: yeah seem a little faded or, or Yeah,
2: but yeah, like I would love to see it on a massive TV on mm. Blu-ray yeah. or whatever or if you could ever persuade some cinema to play it, but, yeah,
1: um, good, which would good be amazing. Good luck outside of a major city, um, and we'll have to wait for <laughs> yeah, pandemic. How, how many uh,
2: tickets are you going to sell to a Yeah, film this long.
1: I mean, they did they did show the restored version in New York, but that's New York. Yeah, you know, you've got a much bigger catchment there. But yes, um, that would be. But it's sell for a big
2: TV and mm. something. But um, yeah,
1: I mean, on I'd a be dark
2: winter's night. <laughs> day, day. A dark winter's day. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i mean we had we were fortunate in that it was kind of a rotten weather day when we were recording this so we didn't feel like we were missing out too much but it's basically like a whole day yeah. commitment i'd be interested to see this without subtitles as well just because like my russian is a combination of like my russian is you know yeah most <laughs> of the way there and I also know what's happening, so I'm so I'm not like, oh who are you? Like I'm not listening to the dialogue to mm. figure out all of those details. I can concentrate a bit more on the nuances. I'd like to see it that way as well. Because mm. like just because Russian like sentence construction and word order, reading the subtitles is kind of is kind of hard because mm. you it just get to Yeah, you just get to different parts of the sentences before like Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a little bit odd. And and often it's just, like, slightly quicker, so you're kind of, like, catching up to one or the other. And this had the weird business of, like, the French and then maybe, like, a Russian, like, overdub coming afterwards, that whole issue. So, yeah, I'd be interested to see it also with that issue cleared up a bit. Um, But, yeah, goodness knows whether the the newer version has that thing addressed but yeah i would you know a hearty but heavily <laughs> caveated recommendation from me just like visually it's it's incredibly yeah epic it really is so yeah i would definitely recommend checking it out for that but yeah maybe maybe pace yourself a bit more than we did <laughs> cuz i mean it is presented as like Four films with credits at the beginning, so I guess the way it was initially intended to be consumed was like over a bit more, you know, spread out period of time. Cool, right? So before we wrap this up, Mm -hmm. thank you so much, Lin. You're welcome. Joining me once again, and yeah, multiple episodes at this point, (laughs) and yeah, can't quite believe we've got to fifty, but
2: yeah, doing all right.
1: Yeah, so before we disappear, uh, is there anything you would like? to point people towards.
2: Uh, yeah, I've seen your film recommendations. Not nearly as epic, because it's only three hours and something <laughs>
1: <on>. um. <laughs> Everything kind of pales in comparison, uh, does not it, almost? But that's the
2: longest film I think I've seen recently that was mm. great. Uh, Which, if you can catch it somewhere, the Chinese film uh, So Long My Son. Oh, yes. Which uh, came out last year, I think. It's on movie at the moment. Although by the time this episode comes out, it may not be. But I'm sure it will be available somewhere. Okay. It um, is much more about a family Mm. and their relationships, although it covers... Actually, a similar time period. Mm. Not in terms of when it's set, but yeah. uh, the number of years in which the film ah, yeah, goes yeah, across yeah. is actually pretty similar to Got War and Peace. Yeah. Obviously, much more personal level than War and Peace, mm. but a uh, really, really amazing film. Um, oh, awesome. Beautifully shot
1: and really well told. And yeah, cool. um, I would like to recommend that people check out the cast recording for natasha and pierre and the great comet of 1812 which is a broadway musical of i guess it's latter like chunky third of of war and peace told through the medium of song which (laughs) sounds like possibly a hard sell for some people but i really really like it it does a a much clearer job of explaining <laughs> the uh, the characters and it's 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 very fun and very dramatic and lots of different musical styles so if that's at all of interest i highly rec- recommend that um yeah and it's you know quite a bit shorter <laughs> um so yeah that's that's definitely worth uh, checking out anything any personal plugs
2: uh not really if you have any interest in the music of rem Check out Jump and Don't Get Caught." Cool. Probably available by the time this podcast goes out. <laughs> we'll see. Um, <laughs> definitely available by the time this podcast goes out. If I stop getting distracted by drawing cover art <laughs> and finish editing things
1: instead. Awesome. Well. Um, <laughs> thank you very much. You're yeah. welcome. Thank you. Okay, so dust for folks. Dust for So that's it for this episode, but before I go, I'd like to thank Sasha Ilukovich and the highly skilled migrants for the use of their song Cold in our intro. You can find that song and the rest of their back catalogue on Bandcamp and Spotify. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a rating at Apple Podcasts or at Podchaser.com. That second one, Podchaser, even lets you rate individual episodes, so if this episode particularly stood out to you, you can let other listeners know that you enjoyed it. Recommending the show on social media is hugely helpful as well. If you can spare a moment or two to do that, it would really make my day. Thank you, thank you very much. Speaking of social media please find us and say hi on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can also drop us a line at roosfilesunite at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, take care of yourselves, and bye for now. So a quick message before I go. If you're enjoying the Roosevelt Unite movie podcast, there are a couple of ways you can help to cover the cost of running the show if that's something you're able to do. The first option is donating roughly the price of a cup of coffee on our Ko-fi page. The address for that is Unite. The second option is by buying yourself a book from our bookshop.org affiliate site. I've pulled together a selection of Russia-related books that I thought looked interesting, and I've divided it up into sections to make it easier to find your way around. One of those sections is Classics of Russian Literature, which, as you'd expect, includes Lev Tolstoy's War and Peace. With more lockdowns likely this year, maybe this is finally the time to read it, if you haven't already. There are plenty of shorter books on there too, of course. There's also Bondarchuk's War and Peace, literary classic to Soviet cinematic epic by Professor Denise J. Youngblood. Having finally seen the film, I'm very keen to get my hands on a copy. Whatever book you decide to pick up, 10% of the sale will go towards keeping the podcast running, and a further 10% will go to independent bookshops around the UK. To visit the bookshop, please use the affiliate links in the show notes to this episode. Alternatively, you can find them in the bio sections of our various social media pages. At the time of recording, our bookshop page is only available to listeners in the UK but I'll let you know if that changes. That's all from me. Take care and stay safe.